I am Zarina Dimitrova, a strategic partner and mentor to businesses in the process of transformation. Join me on Grow and Learn as we explore a range of topics from personal development and career advancement to relationship building and financial management. With practical advice, inspiring stories and expert interviews, we'll give you the tools you need to thrive in every aspect of your life. Join us as we share insights and strategies that can help you achieve your personal and professional growth objectives. Welcome to the Grow and Learn podcast, everyone, and welcome to everybody new who's joined in the past month. I'm glad to be welcoming somebody who's going to help you financially in a different way. Yes, I know that everybody's offering you a different thing, but that's something that we are not given as education at school. We're not given as education, even in an MBA program, how to save from taxes, how to get all kinds of returns that we are not aware of. Today, we're speaking with Michael Santonato. Hi, Michael. Hey, Zarina. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here with us. So you're a financial alchemist. What does that mean? What do you do? <clears throat> How can you make me richer? <laughs> sure, for sure. Essentially, what people know financial advising is, I, I'm essentially a financial advisor, but my brand is financial alchemy. And I call myself a financial alchemist because I love, you know, transformation and transmuting energy. That's what alchemy is. And when you transmute your beliefs or when you receive a new piece of knowledge, you take an action you've never taken before then you have the ability to alchemize or transform your situation. And it can really be as simple as something you didn't know that, you know, is so simple and obvious when you put it into place and action, then everything can change for the better. All right. So what, what, what is something that the common person doesn't know about their finance and about saving taxes? I know that you're not taught this education at school. You've you've had the privilege to have been brought up with parents that were in banking, mm -hmm. or like right. in a retail bank. By the way, mine were as well. Oh and yeah, I'm cool. I'm very curious. <laughs> that was a coincidence. Like when I read your profile, okay. Wow. Uh, yeah. yeah. Wow. So what did well, you my, learn from that? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm the youngest of four, so my parents gave me this great education that my you know, siblings didn't really necessarily get, you know, being the baby, being the youngest, there's all these advantages, right? So you, I got to see what my siblings did that worked and didn't work. And uh, I got to learn from my parents. And, and, you know, you kind of get the benefit of being the youngest of having your parents improve as the kids go on. So our dinner table conversations were unlike 99% of the population. You know, we talked about mortgages and interest rates and investments and uh, borrowing levels and, and debt to income ratios and savings and ROIs and credit and all these things. So by the time I was young, I had this amazing education that 99% of the population never get, you know, and the numbers just don't lie. You can't argue with numbers because they just don't lie. And it's a beautiful thing about math and numbers. And so what I got was, you know, everything from understanding credit and taxes and investments and debt and, um, you know, the, the value of money over time and the growth of money over time. These things are indisputable, you know, how money grows over time in the right investments and in the right asset classes. Just letting time do its thing shows 
that your money can grow and work hard for you, right? And your money can work harder than you can. It can work 24 seven. I think the best part and the biggest thing that we can we can share with your audience and people today is about taxes. You know, what no one knows is that they pay more taxes than the rich. You know, it doesn't make sense to pay more tax than a billionaire, but the average person pays more tax than a billionaire. A billionaire. Now, why? Why? Right? Because you think, oh, they got billions of dollars. They they pay tons of tax. You know, here I am making a hundred grand a year, or fifty, or seventy, or eighty grand a year, whatever. And there's no way I'm paying more tax than a billionaire. But you are. The average person is. Why? Because of knowledge. Because of knowledge. When it comes to money, money is like knowledge is power when it comes to money. So my parents and I, you know, we did our taxes together up, up until I was like 24, you know. And then when I kind of went further into corporations and business, then that was outside of their scope. But there are all kinds of legitimate and legal ways to pay less tax and to get government, you know, grants and, and credits and things like that uh, from the government, whether it's Canada or America, which are the two countries that I serve. And knowing this information, this is what this is what the billionaires know that the average person does not. So why we pay more is because we know less. And they pay less because they know more. <laughs> mm -hmm, that's right. Do you think that whatever, I mean, I know that the uh, tax laws are different across the world, but I'm based in Austria, for example. And I know that a lot of the laws are similar. They're not the same, but and tax laws also not the same. But do you think that these rules would ap apply theoretically, of course, without uh, giving a commitment here, but do you think they would apply across the globe? Yes, with fine-tuning details, right? So I serve mostly America and Canada, and the tax system is almost identical. The names and the words and the acronyms are different, but the system is almost exactly identical. In Europe and most countries of the world, because all governments work together, you know, you got the G7, the G20, like mm. Europe, you got the EU, they all work together. A lot of the systems are exactly the same. And so... One essential component is the more you invest, then the less tax you pay. The more you work a job, like hour per hour, dollar per dollar, the more tax you pay. And if you invest more into the economy, you're rewarded more because you're creating jobs. You're putting money into the economy. You're paying for other businesses, goods, and services. The more you do that, then the less tax you pay. Also, the more you invest in your business, again, I don't know the European laws, but I'm sure it's this way. The more you invest in your business, then the less tax you pay. So you can be very low, low uh, profit. You can be in a very low profit uh, area, if any at all, and pay no tax or pay less tax. You only pay tax when you take money out of the business, out of the corporation, right? I'm speaking again from Canada and America. And anytime you uh, leverage or use any of the government tax benefits or credits, then you pay less tax, right? So the first step is to be a business owner, have a business, leverage those business tax benefits as much as possible because the tax laws are catered to the wealthy, by the way. This isn't an accident, by the way, right? <clears throat> Excuse so me. the tax so, laws are catered to the rich. Yeah, so, so do you advise people who are, currently working at a job to found a company? 
Yeah, for example, in Canada and America, there's something called a sole proprietorship, which is like a mini business. It's like you're just, it's just you. You don't have employees, you don't have outside investment, you don't have much, you know, structure and income and all those things. A beginning place that everyone can start is this thing called sole proprietorship. So I don't know if they have that in Europe, do they? They do, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so it's, it's almost like the same, yes. Mm -hmm. Very low cost, you know, $80, maybe $100, 100 euros maybe to set it up. And then you have all kinds of ability to write off all kinds of expenses from gas, internet, telephone bill, uh, lots of meals, anything you spend on marketing, obviously, and anything that can be justified as marketing, such as attending a sporting event or attending a networking event or a conference. All of these things you can write off against your taxes, thus allowing you to pay less tax. And 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 the by the way, this is the funny thing. The government's not going to come to you and say, "Hey, you forgot to claim that uh, you know that networking event," or "Hey, you went to that uh, sporting event and you forgot to claim that as a tax rate." No, it's only what you tell them. They're not going to come tell you. You need to tell them what you spent, what you didn't spend, and what you're claiming and what you're not claiming. If what if they if come they to? What if they, they come? Money, they're not going to like come to you and say, "Hey, you know, we owe you five hundred dollars." You know, you forgot. Right. You have but to what go if to they come? Say, you what if they come to yeah. you and they say you're not doing any business? You're just registered here for yeah. tax advantages. What if they come and yeah. say, "But where's your business?" That's a great question. That's a great question. So every government economist accountant understands that for the first two three years at least, at least, at least two three years, you're not expected to make much money. Every government, every accountant or economist knows. It takes a lot to build up a business. It takes a lot of time, energy, effort, hard work. And the statistics show 95% of first businesses fail in North America, 95% in their first three years. So they're going to understand. They're not going to bother you for the first two, three years, honestly. But, but you still need to register some sort of a business and tell them this is what I'm doing, right? That's right. And it's yeah. usually a, a simple online application form. Mm -hmm used to be you have to go into an office and have a conversation and get a loan and go to the bank you don't have to do those things anymore it's just an online couple of pages and you yeah. pay okay so then you start investing let's call it investing or you start spending or you write off all of your expenses to deduct your taxable income is this all right. we're relying on here <laughs> this is the basic starting point this is the basic 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 starting point right if you have a corporation which you know i I think is the same, maybe it's a different name in Europe, then you have access to other benefits, right? It costs more to open a corporation and the taxes, just filing them costs more in a corporation. But in a corporation, you have the ability to bring on shareholders and bring on investors and take on debt and leverage certain assets. And you can uh, borrow, obviously, capital and then any interest that you pay on that capital is a tax write-off. And the more you invest, then the less tax you pay. And the more government grants as well and benefits come to corporations. So once you get to a certain level as a you know individual business owner, sole proprietor, then you should be looking at a corporation. Once you exceed maybe a hundred thousand dollars, some people say four hundred thousand dollars, but you know it's it's up to you really. Once you have a corporation, then you can. Uh, claim more of the government benefits that are out there. And it would be worthwhile to hire an accountant or a financial advisor who can ensure that you have all the benefits that you're entitled to. 
See, the one thing that the wealthy do is they have like five or six financial advisors, right? The average person should have one financial advisor, at least. Everybody should start with at least one, right? The wealthy, they have five, six. They have one for real estate. They have one for credit. They have one for investments. They have one for taxes. They have one for debt. They have like so many. Sometimes they have two, three for different investments, for different asset classes, right? The average person struggles to get, to just humble themselves to get one financial advisor. But it's very simple. If you want to do, if you want to have what the wealthy have, you need to do what the wealthy do. And you need to know what the wealthy know. And that's why hiring advisors and professionals is so essential because you don't know everything. You don't have all the time in the day. And you can shortcut your learning by hiring someone or paying someone a little bit of money to teach you so that you gain more in the end. So let's say as an employee, Let's say an employee makes 100K for ease of calculation. How much can an employee in Canada or in the US make back from the um, shenanigans that you're teaching? Yeah, totally legal. No shenanigans. (laughs) Legal shenanigans. Yeah. Yeah. I would say minimum $20,000. So, for example, there's, and by the way, that's 20% of your income. That's not a small. That's not. That's not a small piece of change, right? That's every every you know dollar you earn, you're getting twenty cents back on every dollar. It's every hour you work, you're getting you know almost let's call it fifteen minutes, right? Twelve point five minutes out of every hour, you're getting that back, right? So twenty percent is a big deal. So in Canada, if someone's making a hundred grand by contributing to a couple of different uh, investment programs that have government benefits. They can get minimum 20 grand, even more potentially, even more potentially, 30 grand even. What are what are some financial programs that you're referring to? What what could these be? So the government most, Yeah. So the most basic and essential one in Canada is called the RRSP. And it's a registered retirement savings plan. And this is a pretty much global program. I know they have these in Europe. I know in the USA it's called a 401k. And it actually originated in Germany after the First World War. So after the First World War, this this idea of this same plan that I'm talking about in Canada and America actually originated in in Germany in World War One, right after World War One, where they were looking to rebuild the economy. They're looking to rebuild the country. How do they do that? Well, they need money, right? So the government said, "You give us some some money every little bit of your money, every paycheck. We'll give you some tax benefits." And we'll reduce your income and we'll give you some investment growth. And then the country, Germany, took that money and used it for themselves to invest in infrastructure and jobs and materials and manufacturing to stimulate the economy and get outside investment from other countries to invest into Germany to help rebuild Germany. So that's the most first, like, essential basic one. And people don't utilize that one enough. Mm -hmm. Is there another one that you could share? Sure. So that's the first one in Canada. I Mm -hmm. I would say max out that one. The next one is what's called a TFSA, which is a tax-free retirement account or tax-free savings account, basically. And for us in Canada, it's fairly new. But in America, I think it's called the Roth IRA. So in America and Canada, we have this ability to use this one account for savings and investments. And all of the money that is grown in that account from savings and investments is tax-free. Now, this might seem not like like a big deal, but 
when you think about, you know, the government is the biggest debt collector in the in the world, or or some people call it a, a pimp. You know, <laughs> if they want money, they're going to get it, right? If they need money, they're going to get it. You owe them money, they're going to be sure that they get it, right? Like But I said, if you earlier, decide to withdraw it, if you decide to withdraw the savings or whatever's piled up, you still owe taxes or not? So in the second one that I'm talking about, no, the TFSA, no. Ah. the tax-free savings account, uh, no, you do not have to. You, this is a glorious thing because nothing, nothing, nothing that happens in this account, nothing is taxable, none of it at all. Do they have one like that in, in the Europe? I don't know yet, but I will find out. Does this include crypto as well? Anything, anything, oh, anything you put in that amazing. account. Yes, anything you put in that account. It is very difficult to put crypto in that account, by the way. They're still working out the laws and the legislation on that. But um, yeah, anything you put in that account is tax-free. Whether you put it in, take it out, whatever. In Canada, it's only, the program is only, I think, 10 years old, right after the last big recession, 2008. Uh, 2009, 2010, they started this program. So in, 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 every year, there's like $6,000 that you can put into this account every year. And then it's cumulative, so it grows. So right now, it's about like $88,000. That's the maximum that you can put into it. But if I invested in, say, a stock or some kind of asset that you know doubles or triples in value, doesn't matter if I have 100 grand, 200 grand, 300 grand in profit, anything that I take from there is not taxable. And this is huge because yeah. e even on your investments, the government wants at least 30%, somewhere between 25% to 40%, even on your investments. So when you do the math and you think about this long-term, this is something you need to leverage for sure. What is, what is, is there a counterparty of this program in the US? Yeah, I mentioned it's called the Roth IRA. Okay. Or the IRA, yeah. Okay, that's amazing. Yeah, so America actually had it before Canada. We were late to start it. I'm Canadian, so we, we were late to start it. But we got it, and it's going very well. And and, and every government every year has, you know, 5,000, 6,000 that you can put into that account. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, I'm going to digress a little bit. How do you think, how do you see things developing now with the economy and What is the way for you, you must have thought about it, to um, prevent losses or to minimize the, the impact of uh, interest rates or mm -hmm. anything that is going on? Yeah, it's a great question. So I'm convinced that there's going to be a big recession this year. Big, 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 big recession this year. And I've been doing a lot of webinars, one-hour presentations over the last couple of weeks, sharing this information with my clients and with people, because I'm certain that there's going to be a recession coming this year, mm -hmm. very, very soon, in the next like four to six months. It's possible that we're already in this recession. They just haven't announced it yet. Mm -hmm. So in this webinar, it's an hour long, and I talk about how recessions happen, why do they happen, when do they happen? How long do they last for? How do we know it's coming? And I present, you know, basically guaranteed evidence that guarantees that there's going to be a big recession this year. We should have actually already had it. If you think about it, 
with COVID, right? COVID is a global pandemic, you know, supposedly it was a global pandemic shutting down logistics and manufacturing and economies and countries and cities and everything for like two years, basically. So where was the recession? It never happened. It never happened. But if it was a global recession, like it should have been, like they said it was, then there definitely should have been a recession. And it just hasn't happened. So what they did is they printed all kinds of money. They pumped all the governments and all the countries and all the markets with money, trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars all over the world. And this just kind of put a Band-Aid on the economy. So the economy never really got to feel the effects of a global pandemic. So it's happening now. Interest rates have risen crazy high. Uh, people are finding it very difficult to you know, live and pay their bills. And uh, where I'm from, Toronto is one of the most expensive cities in the world. And interest rates are so high, people's mortgage payments have gone up 50%, 100%. So people's mortgage payments have doubled. And that has made it very difficult for many people to live. So it's all like a boiling pot that's that's been boiling, 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 and the lid is going to blow off and it's going to overflow. And there's going to be, uh, you know, three banks in the United States have already gone bust uh, in the last couple of months. There's going to be more banks um, that are going to go bust in, in America for sure, because they have hundreds and hundreds of different banks. I in actually Canada, read that there were five. I, I read that. I can't, re I can't quote their names, but I think there are five already in the U.S. That, including that have gone small. bust? Yes. Oh, well, I know of three big ones. That's what's been reported recently, but I'll, mm -hmm. I'll look. I don't know of the other two. Yeah. But they have so many banks. In Canada, we only have six banks, and nothing bad happened to us really that bad in 2008. Uh, but this year, this time, it could be different in Canada. In Europe, I can't say. I don't know how many banks or how big or small or... Well, the uh, Credit Suisse was taken by UBS and Deutsche Bank is under trouble. So, but we don't know. I mean, it's, it's right. a similar situation. So I wouldn't expect right. anything different. It's all an yeah. interconnected world in the end. That's right. And they're all interconnected. They all buy from each other. They all have each other's assets and they, they buy each other's debt and everything. And, uh, and I know that Dutch Bank, Deutsche Bank for about three or four years now has been having a lot of trouble. So I wouldn't be surprised either if you're right, they're the ones that go. Okay. So there's so ways it, to protect from this. Yeah. yeah. Tell us. <laughs> there are five. Because, because now, I mean, I would suppose that now it's going to be more difficult to get, or when the recession really hits, to get loans altogether, to, to come to debt. So how do we make use of this vehicle then? Yeah. So there's five asset classes that provide financial certainty. And I'm building a course right now that teaches and talks about those five asset classes and how to purchase them and, and move money from them and how to understand them and secure your money safely into these five asset classes. And it's quite the learning curve. Um, right now, you know, there will be a recession coming. And so you're right. There, it will be difficult to get credit. It will be difficult to get loans. Next to impossible, actually. Mm. It'll be next to impossible. And if you do get the loans, they'll be at really high interest rates because interest rates are very high and they may go up again or they may stay the same. If they stay the same still, that's really going to hurt people. There's a lot of pressure being put on people for you know, how bad things are right now.
So, yeah. The way to profit, one, one way to profit is to short, right? If you've seen the movie The Big Short, which everybody should watch, I don't think it's I a movie. Write it down. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's on Netflix. You'll be able to catch it. It's all over the okay. internet, you know, five bucks maybe to rent it. Uh, but The Big Short is a very popular Hollywood movie that's based on the true story, based on a book of five individuals who profited from the last big uh, recession in 2008, who saw it coming, and who they took what's called a short position. So which means, you know, they bet that the markets would go down and they profited. So they bet that the markets would go from here to here, you know, up as high as they were all the way down and they profited and they sold and they made just ridiculous amounts of money, hundreds of millions of dollars with only a few million dollars, with only like $20 million as one example, right? So the way that one way to profit is to short and you can short in the stock market, you can short in crypto, you can short in futures. Uh, I think you can short in almost any asset there is. Are you personally doing that as well? Yes. I personally believe after many, many, many months of research and I look at the markets every day and I pay money to learn from other people that are better than me, that are smarter than me, <laughs> which I'm happy to. I personally believe that at the end of April, the top will be in and the bottom will begin. So the crash, I believe a, a crash, there could be multiple crashes, but a crash will begin at the beginning of May. And the top will arrive at the end of April. So I personally am getting ready to sell everything in the middle of April or the end of April. And I will be cashing out everything and I will be shorting as well um, in the beginning of May. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's great advice. So where, where is your, how can people get to your webinar with the five strategies? Yeah, so um, the easiest place is just through my website. The easiest place is my website. That's where you know the links to everything are. My courses is there. Um, and so, yeah, my website, michaelcentenado.com would be the easiest place. Okay, great. Yeah. And, and so apart from the courses, do you also consult investors yep, I individually? Do yes. Yeah, I have consulting. Uh, I have financial plans and financial assessments and analysis packages, as well as a lot of online courses. And for my clients, I'm available via email, you know, anytime. Mm -hmm. And then like the to... sessions I do uh, virtually over Zoom. Great. Yeah. Is there anything else that uh, we could, that you would like to share that can help us prepare before May? Well, I think, yeah, I think understanding that, naturally markets rise and fall and everything is cyclical in life and there's cycles to everything myself i'm i i moved and i left canada in 2021 and i've been traveling mexico and south america to take advantage of the low cost of living and get out of the inflation because i saw that i saw that hyperinflation was coming and i have a youtube channel i do videos so in 2021 i said hyperinflation is going to come so i left and uh you know, I, I, I think that there's going to be a massive change because, again, everything is cyclical. There's cycles. So personally, I believe in, you know, living in a country where 
you know, your dollar goes further, your dollar, your money goes as far as it can. So I'm traveling South America and Mexico right now, having a great time. And, uh, you know, if people want free advice or education, then they can check out my YouTube channel as well at Michael Santanato. And uh, there's all kinds of great lessons and free learning and content there. That's awesome. But uh, now that you mentioned the dollar, I have other questions popping up. Um, your your <laughs> dollar still goes a long way in South America, but it, will it soon stay this way? What do you think? Yeah, definitely. So, so I have bought uh, two pieces of land in Mexico because I'm very bullish on Mexico as an economy and as a country. And I'm bullish on land and real estate in Mexico for many reasons. After having lived there, you know, for about a year and a half, I saw all the indicators of a healthy and great economy that's growing. And just in the last few months, the peso has gone up, uh, you know, much higher, you know, like 10%. So, um, yeah, I mean, the dollar is strong. Like the Canadian dollar is strong. The euro, uh, the euro is more difficult for me to speak about because I don't really research or look at it that much. But I will be taking a trip to Europe in a few months and I'll be spending maybe six months in Europe and that'll be my next place to uh, to explore. But yeah, South American countries, what they call third world countries are uh, very reliable, easy to go to destinations uh, such as Brazil, uh, you know, Mexico, uh, Colombia. Like these are rising economies that are growing uh, that the cycle is changing where because it's so inexpensive and there's so much room for opportunity and growth, their economies and their assets and values are going to continue to rise. Oh, that's and, absolutely and for sure. But I, what I meant to ask you is actually, do you think that the U.S. dollar will take you far for too long? Because now with the agreement of um, uh, the, the BRICS to exchange um, over stepping the dollar, yeah. um, its importance is diminishing. Everybody's really scared right. now so 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 That's how right. long do you think this will i mean how how long do you think the dollar can keep up yeah that's a good question uh it's going to hurt for the next few years but i don't think it's going anywhere you know for the next 20 years it's going to hurt for the next few years and i'm glad that countries globally are divesting and they're changing their focus from the US dollar into other dollars. And I'm glad they're doing it together as a team, but it's still an incredibly strong currency. And we we, we don't think long-term enough. We need to think larger timeframes and long-term. So it's, it's still going to be healthy uh, long-term, but it's going to hurt for the next few years. So remember, it's, a, it's the global reserve currency, which means, even if all these countries divest and they sell their U.S. dollars, it may no longer be the world's global reserve currency, but it'll still be the top three currencies in the world, right? It'll still be the top three currencies in the world. Does that make sense? Uh, I am not quite sure if, if the major trading between the, the, the largest in terms of population and also in terms of economic countries, so the BRICS are the largest block, if, yes. if they're inter-block um, exchanges in a different currency that is also uh, gold-backed. Why do you think that the dollar can still be competitive? Well, in terms of scale, like how long and how far it has to go, you know, like how long and how far it has to go is is massive, really, 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 really massive for it to be... Um, 
no longer a major player. So what I'm saying is it may not be the world's global reserve currency anymore, but there's still an incredibly high likelihood and chance that it will be in the top three or top five global currencies in the world, right? right? Mm -hmm. Euro, US dollar, and maybe, you know, Japanese yen, Chinese, uh, you know, yen. So like, you know what I mean? It's like, we got the pound, the euro, and the US dollar. Those are the top three. There's still an incredibly high likelihood that it'll be in the top three. And even if it's not in the top three, it'll probably still be in the top five. So it'll take a beating, but we're not going to see it replaced by the uh, Indian rupee or the Brazilian real. You know what I mean? <clears throat> Excuse me. But uh, what if they, um, what if the BRICS uh, has, or designs their talks now that it designs one currency that is gold back and then they decide not to trade with any currency with any country the, US with the currency that yeah. is not gold backed so it's amazing it's a great question i have no idea i have no crystal ball i could be wrong i'm not even a currencies expert what i've learned is that there's so much niche that you could drill down into and mm -hmm. go into so specific you know that would be a great question for a currencies expert. And I hope you have them on the show because I'll listen to that episode, <laughs> you know? So I'm open to being wrong. I could be wrong. I'm just saying like the scale of where it is to where it will have to go for it to no longer be considered at all is still just huge. It's still massive, the yeah. gap. Great. So Michael, as, as a takeaway, what should people do in April to uh, make sure they they take on the upside from what's coming. Yeah, well, look at where they're profitable, where they've been profitable, their investments and their assets, and consider divesting, consider selling. There's nothing wrong with taking profits. No matter where you sell, when you sell, if you're in profit, that's great. Um, and there's nothing wrong with, you know, if you, if you understand and align with the idea that a recession is coming, then definitely take your profits now. Take your money and run now, right? There's nothing wrong with taking a win. The, the most difficult thing at the casino is quitting while you're ahead. But that is when you need to quit. That is when you need to walk away. So, you know, if you want to learn more about the recession, how we know for sure it's coming, then check out my webinar and find it at michaelsantanato.com. And I uh, would love to have you there and share that information with you. Wonderful. Thank you so much for this enlightening conversation. I will put the link below to your website so people can check out your webinar and uh, make sure they stay safe and profitable in the coming months. <laughs> Thank you. Wonderful. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Grow and Learn. We hope that you found our podcast informative, engaging and inspiring. Our mission is to help you keep growing and learning and we hope that our conversations and insights have provided you with practical advice and useful perspectives. If you're looking for personalized support and guidance to help you achieve your personal or professional growth objectives, I offer a range of services to help. As a trusted management partner and mentor, I work with businesses in the process of transformation, looking for new streams of business, as well as M&A. With an extensive professional network of experts and mentors, I can bring on board the right person or team based on the specific needs of the company I'm working with. To learn more about the services I offer and how I can help you achieve your goals, visit my website at growandlearn.org. You can also reach out to me via email or social media. I'd love to hear from you. 
And if you enjoyed this episode of Grow and Learn, please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. Your feedback is important to us and it helps us to continue to create content that is relevant and valuable to our listeners. Thanks again for listening and we look forward to sharing more insights and perspectives with you in the future.